Guys, will you pray with me? God, what we're trying to say is <laughs> that we have experienced your goodness. And even though we've gone through hard times and we are still in hard times, many of us, we are reminded of your goodness, especially when we come and we gather together in person or online with the, with the people of God, we are reminded that your story started way before us and it will continue on way after us. Your goodness is greater than what we could comprehend. And we have the ability to come and to give you praise because you have given us breath in our lungs. You have given us this life. So God, we pray that you would pour yourself into all of the broken places represented here in this church and represented around the world. Would you bring healing? Would you bring comfort? Would you bring a reminder that you are a God who does not leave us alone, but is steadfast and faithful? God, you are a faithful God. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We lift him up today and we pray in his name. Amen. Well, guys, my name is Mark Youngman. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church, and I want to welcome you to the weekend before Thanksgiving at Providence Church. I'm trying to make it a holiday, the weekend before Thanksgiving. We're so glad that, that you are here as we're kind of, many of us are kind of gearing up for different things that'll be happening over the course of this next week as we're, we're exploring gratitude and giving thanks together. And um, I've got one thing I want to give thanks for um, you guys. Uh, we've been talking about for the last several weeks, this turkey drop event that we do this every year here at Providence Church. And um, we've set a goal this year of 350 boxes. It was a pretty bold goal, right? In a hard year, like it was a bold goal to put 350 boxes out there. And we're just like, we're going to have these boxes that, that Providence Church is going to pay for and fill up and deliver so that families and, and communities all over the place would have a Thanksgiving meal. You guys met that goal right? Good job, Providence Church. <laughs> but you also went past that goal by over 100 boxes, because <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so what we're celebrating is God's faithfulness showing up through you. So thank you so much for doing that. What a great event. It's so beautiful. I also want to let you know that your team here at Providence Church has been working hard on these um, we're calling them Advent boxes. We actually had them last year as well. Um, if you're here with us in the room, you're gonna be able to pick them up on your way out. If you're close by online, you can come on, on a Sunday afternoon and pick those up. We also have some downloadable parts of that that you can um, participate in. But what that is, is a way for you to walk through the season of Advent, uh, which be, begins uh, next weekend. And we'll be walking all the way up to Christmas Eve together. And there's some ways in that box that we can do that together. And there's also a family box that Prov Kids put together that has all kinds of great activities to, to kind of watch, like tell the story leading up to, to Christmas. And also in that, um, because we were before Thanksgiving, there's a great packet of information about ways that you can, um, as a family, walk through Thanksgiving together as well. So we hope you'll check all that out. So much, so much there. Um, so one more thing. 
because it's almost Advent, that means that we're kind of on this, we'll be accelerating quickly to Christmas Eve. And as you're gathering for Thanksgiving, we would love it if you would kind of make plans for your Christmas Eve. We are getting ready for that the 23rd and the 24th of December. So right now we have a service plan on the 23rd at 5.30, on the 24th at 1, 2.30, 4, and 5.30. We're gonna have uh, candlelight. We're gonna have communion. It's gonna be a beautiful, it's always just a really special time. We would really love to have you be a part of that. This year, we're asking you to make a reservation for that. Um, so as, as you do that, that'll help us know if we need to add more, uh, another service to that so we can welcome in more people. We will always have space for guests as a part of that, but we'd love it if you'd take some time over the next week to think about what service you wanna be a part of and help us make, make room for others to come and celebrate the Christ child on Christmas Eve. So exciting, exciting times. Uh, tonight, uh, today, I wanted to start off with this word of scripture. This is from John chapter 17. This is, these are words of Jesus when he's near the end of his earthly life and he's praying to God the Father. These, these are words that he shared. He said, I have revealed you, God, to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world right now, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. You can say, thanks be to God. I'm wondering, just wanna start with a question. Do you have some of these like little phrases that you repeat over and over again in hopes that they will one day be true? Like you'll say them enough that it will be, it will be true? Uh, just me? Okay, well, I'm gonna walk this. Um, well, so it can be simple things like you're looking at a pile of laundry and you're like, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm gonna put away the laundry. This is just like out of thin air. I'm just coming up with stuff. It's not like, not like real life situations just coming to me. Um, <laughs> or we might say, you know that negative habit that I've been dealing with? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put that away. I'm gonna stop that thing that I'm doing. Or we'll say, I'm just going to be a better friend. That's my, my focus right now. I'm going to be a better friend. Here's one that I think is like relevant for us right now. This Thanksgiving, when the family gathers together, we're all going to get along. <laughs> we are not going to talk about politics. It's going to be the, be it's going to be the best Thanksgiving. Uh, again, this is just like completely off the top of my head. And not, like, it doesn't come, not based on anything whatsoever. Uh, well, what, what about you? What about you? Uh, what do you wish that you could just create with your words to be true? Sometimes we talk about it like this. I've heard this more recently. We'll say that we are speaking something into existence. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but I'm hearing it more and more. Like how bold is that to say we could speak something into existence? Now there's a little bit of danger in that. Like there's an edge. We gotta be careful, <laughs> be careful with this. But I, but I think we, we, we like to say this, but I wonder like if we're gonna speak something into existence, then who do we think we are? <laughs> How, who, do we, who do we think we are to be able to speak something into existence? Where do we get the idea that we could do that? Well, here's where I think it comes from for us. 
for Jesus followers, people of God. We worship a God who speaks things into existence. Like that's true. God speaks things into existence. And we learn from the Bible that we were made, we were created in the image of God. So what does that mean? It means that we were created by the creator to be creative. (laughs) We often abuse that creative gift. It's true. It it happens. But sometimes, like at our best, when, when, when we are tuned into the heart of God, we could actually get it right. <laughs> Maybe this is a better way of saying it. This is what we say here at Providence all the time. Believe it until you see it. It's a phrase, if you've been around, you've, you've probably heard. And what that means is that you've got this picture of the future in your head, like the desired future that you have, and you cling to it, and you hold to it with everything. So that picture here, here at Providence, is a community that worships Jesus together and looks more and more like the kingdom of God a movement where, where people are just so caught up in the things of God that, that we don't have time to get sidetracked by the distractions of the world. You gotta believe it until you see it. You gotta speak it into existence. There is power in our words. Just like a side note, there's also a lot of power in words that are left unspoken. That's like a whole, whole nother message. But for today, there is power in our words. I've got one I want us to try today. You guys willing to... Try one with me today. Thanks. Thanks, Pierce. <laughs> These are some words that Jesus spoke that I just shared with you from, from this prayer from John 17. And we're just going to, like, we're going to try this, okay? Just a little something to speak into existence. So try this on. We're going to say to God, God, all I have is yours. Jesus said it. We can say it. God, all I have is yours. Now, when you say those words, it might create a little bit of tension in your heart or in your gut or something. You know, like, I, I feel that. And I think maybe that's appropriate that we feel a little bit of like, oh, because that's a stretch. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> because everything, though, that you have ultimately does belong to God. You might be a steward or a caretaker of those things that you have ownership of right now for a while. But ultimately, it is all God's. And so I want this phrase to be true for me. I want to keep saying, God, all I have is yours. But every time I say these words, I quickly find myself protecting some part of what I have. So I want to say, God, you can have this part over here. But God, would you kind of leave this part alone? Like, God, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 9 to 10 on Sunday morning and I'll give you a little bit of time, maybe other mornings of the week as well. But the rest of the time, God, I kinda, I'm busy. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need all that time. Like we wanna, I, I find myself just wanting to, to protect uh, those things. Several years ago, I went and I visited a Benedictine monastery you know, on the banks of the Kansas River. It was really cool. I was able to go spend several days there and, and the, the brothers like let me go and have meals with them and let me go to worship mass with, with them. And they, get, they put me up in a room, just tons of hospitality. It was a really, really great experience that I really loved. But I quickly discovered that I was not called to that kind of life, <laughs> um, much to the relief of my wife and children. <laughs> But there was something about the heart, the heart of what was happening in that place that kind of seemed right. Like it connected with me. It stuck with me. So it kind of caused me to ask, how can I continue to work, support a family, pursue goals, plan for my retirement, and be generous and still say to God, God, all I have is yours. 
Well, I, I found a starting place, actually, in the example of one financial professional in Jesus's day. <laughs> Here's the story. One time, Jesus walked into a town, and he spotted a tax collector up in a tree. And the guy was up in the tree because he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see what was going on, and he, he was short in stature, so he had to climb a tree. But nobody liked this tax collector, so that might be the other reason he was up in the tree. Nobody, <laughs> nobody liked him. <laughs> He was actually known for cheating and stealing. You know, like funding the government has never been glamorous work. <laughs> and that was his job. Jesus noticed him though. Jesus looked at him. Jesus called out to him and called him out of the tree. And Jesus invited himself over for dinner. And then all the people that saw this happen said, they began to mutter and they said, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The people were not wrong. Zacchaeus, by nature of his job, was cheating them out of money so that he could have, make a living for himself. It's kind of, it's how that job worked. But Jesus was speaking something else into existence when he called Zacchaeus out of the tree and over for dinner. At the dinner, it says in Luke 19, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So I'm kind of like reading underneath these words and seeing the process that Zacchaeus is going through. And it's like he's saying, what I, what I thought was mine is not mine. What I thought was mine is, is, is yours. And so I will give it away. But actually, he kind of, he breaks it down like you would expect a tax collector to break it, break it down. He kind of, he backs into it. He's like, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. And I just picture Jesus going, like raise a little, <laughs> a little bit more. So he was like, okay, I'll give half or uh, plus like four times anything that I've stolen, if I've stolen anything, which he had, and I think was probably a lot. <laughs> so as he like backs into this reality, he kind of gets to this place where I think he's actually probably worked his way up to 100%, maybe even more than 100%. He's promising to give away but he's giving away all that he had. The reason he was able to get to that place was in part because in that conversation, Jesus kind of held up a mirror to him and he said like, this is what people see, but I'm gonna tell you something else. He offered him grace and Zacchaeus was sorry for his actions and he repented and he turned around. But maybe even more so, he trusted that Jesus represented everything he needed. See, having Jesus come to your table and sit with you and offer you grace and forgiveness is all you need. Now, Jesus didn't tell Zacchaeus that he couldn't be a tax collector anymore. He didn't tell him that he had to enter into a life of poverty, although it kind of looks like maybe for a while. He just helped him to reorient to the fact that all good things come from God and that in accepting life as a gift, he could be rescued from a life of scarcity and cheating just to survive. So then Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And if there was a crowd gathered outside the windows, which I imagine maybe there was, he wants to say, yeah, you're right. I'm dining with a sinner. Can I come to your house next? See, Zacchaeus' willingness to reassess what was his and what was God's 
His willingness to admit what I, what I thought was mine is actually yours. His willingness to trust in God for his survival led to this pronouncement of salvation. Salvation has come to this house. It didn't even just come to Zacchaeus, it came to the whole house. We actually try to live that out as best we can here at Providence Church. One of the ways we do that is by giving away our biggest offering of the year on every Christmas Eve. You'll be hearing more about that in the weeks to come. But it reminds us that all we have is God's. The best part of of this is that next in the story, according to Luke, Jesus continued on at Zacchaeus' house and he taught about investing the gifts, like the gift of salvation that he gives you in other people, like investing them so that they will grow because it's not just about you and your, your salvation. Jesus is bringing something even bigger. Now, you might remember the story of the prodigal son. It's a few chapters earlier in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. Jesus told a story of two sons who missed the mark pretty badly. One of the sons left home with an advance of his inheritance, and he quick, pretty quickly squandered it in a life of selfish spending. And when he ran out of money and came to his senses, funny how those two things go together. He ran out of money and came to his senses. <laughs> when, he came to, when he came to the end of his own resources, which were really his dad's resources, right? His dad was still alive. That's when he decides to come home. And to everyone's surprise, the father welcomes him home with open arms and prepares a welcome home party for his wayward son. A lot of you know the rest of the story. The older son, the older son that had stayed there with his dad the entire time was upset at the unfair treatment of his brother. He hadn't done anything to deserve a party. But the father's response to the older son was also very kind. This is what he said. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Now, this story is a little bit different than the story of Zacchaeus because here Jesus is using the image of the father as a picture of God's heart towards us, his sons and daughters who sometimes run away and sometimes resent grace and forgiveness when it's given to other people. God says to us as we run home and even as we pout, everything I have is yours. And the reason that this concept can be so difficult, I think, for us to grasp is because we kind of operate out of a transactional thinking, right? Like that's how we work most of our life. We expect, like the older son in Luke 15, to get what we have earned. And if someone hasn't earned it, we resent the free gift that's been given to them. It is almost too difficult of a concept, I think, for us to grasp. The reason, though, that I have hope that I can speak into existence, this phrase, God, all I have is yours, is because God says it first to us. Jesus' story of the two sons was his way of reframing what was always true, was already true. God wants us to be celebrated when we come home. God wants to lavish us with great gifts when we come home. Just remember, though, that those gifts are his to give away. 
but his heart is to give them away. And this truth echoes all the way back, 600 years through a prophet named Ezekiel. See, God made a similar promise to his people. It was a time when God's people were exiled out of the land that God had given to them. And God used it as a time to kind of cleanse their hearts, to refocus them on God, to call them out of the sycamore tree and to the table. He began to give signs of hope to a people who were far from home. Have you ever felt like you're far from home? Like even if, it's, even if we're not talking about geographical location, not a house necessarily, but sometimes I just feel far from home because I know I have these images from the scripture and from, from preaching and from the songs that we sing that there's a kingdom out there that is more than what we're living right now. And so I'm feeling homesick sometimes. Like, like I feel like I'm far from home. So maybe God would say to us something like these words as well. Here's what he said through the prophet Ezekiel to his people who were actually a long way from home. He said, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Hear what God says? You will be my people and I will be your God. This is not transactional. This is a gift. God is saying, I'm gifting this to you. You are my people and I am your God. It's a homecoming promise like the one the prodigal son didn't even know to expect when he came running down the driveway. He still belonged in the family. The people of God still belonged to him when they returned to their home. We belong to God. We belong to God's family. And even if we wandered for just a bit, all we have is his with him. It feels like here at Providence Church, we've had a season of funerals. Um, and there's some real beauty in the way that we, we do, uh, we, we have, have funerals, because um, there's some words that we use every time. And there's some words that just kind of connect us to, to the fact that there's something deeper. We're remembering the baptism of the person who has passed away. We're remembering their, their, their eternal life with, with God. And there's, there's a prayer that we pray at the end of, of almost every funeral where we'll say these words, thank you, God, for the life of this person. Before he was ours, he was and is yours. Years ago, my cousin died in a horrific car accident just outside of San Antonio, Texas. Um, Jenny and I had just been married for, for a few months and we got the call, we hopped in the car, we drove down there to be with my aunt and uncle and their, their younger son. And I remember standing there in the funeral home right next to my aunt. She was standing over her son's casket. And she said these words that kind of like just stuck with me. She said, he was never really mine. He always belonged to God. And those words just did something in me that was like a, a shift of perspective that happened in, in my heart as I saw a grieving mother have perspective that her son was a gift to her and always belonged to God. She did not have possession of her son. She really never did, but he belonged to her and he always belonged to Jesus. My takeaway from that moment is all I have is yours because all I need is Jesus. So let's go back to these words that 
Jesus prayed near the end of his life. As part of a much longer prayer. I invite you to go back and, and read it. It's beautiful. But near the end of his life, Jesus was so concerned that we would get this right. He knew the kinds of things that would cause division, that would cause us to claim ownership over things that weren't actually ours. So he prayed this prayer for his disciples and he prayed for us these words, all I have is yours, God, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through these people. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus demonstrated for us how this crazy relationship with the Father actually works. There's no yours or mine with God. We're not trying to figure that out. It's all a gift with kingdom implications. And so I invite you in your heart to just lay down all you have before God today. And if you need to, reorient your heart to the source of all good gifts. And with a sense of gratitude, I invite you to pray this simple prayer. God, all I have is yours. Show me what to do. Show me how to live as a follower of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you have come prepared to leave a commitment card, a financial commitment card uh, for, for the year 2022. And, and many of you have brought those, you, you've prayed over those. And so we wanna invite you at the end of the service, you, if you're here in the room, you can place those in the baskets. There's a way to do that online as well. But our prayer is that that would be for us right now, a sign that all we have is God's and Jesus is all we need. Amen.